Do you ever wonder if people of the past viewed nature differently than we do today? Hi, I'm Alex. And I'm Keelan. And, and welcome, welcome to, to our, our podcast. podcast. Exploitation or celebration of nature, from antiquity to modernity. Throughout modern history, the view of nature as something to be owned or exploited in many ways has led to the crisis of climate change and other global issues we would never have thought imaginable a century ago. There have been attempts to build levees to keep rivers in one place, to control volcanoes, and to build dams in order to tame or take advantage of nature's power while harming it in the process. What do these three things have in common? They show humans trying to control nature, something that really just can't be done. In the world of antiquity, we don't see this control of nature happening in the same way. Instead, people allowed nature to take its course and saw themselves as simply as a part of the larger divine force that is the earth. Sure, the ancient world had its environmental issues, like agricultural degradation and deforestation, but in general, it seems that there was a higher level of respect for the natural world. Was this because they thought the gods were watching because of nature's direct ties to religion and spirituality? Did people of that time simply have more respect for nature? Keelan, you're asking all the right questions. <laughs> well, there are examples for both of these methods of reasoning, but the overarching point is that the people of ancient Greece and Rome seemed to have more reverence for the natural world, particularly seen in the lack of their attempts to exploit it compared to today. By looking at some examples from the most important works written in ancient times, we will show you some ways the ancients respected nature. Then, we will look forward to today, hundreds of years later, to see how this respect for nature has declined, which is now a major environmental concern of today. The tendency of humans to focus on their needs over the needs of the environment has become part of the culture of modernity, and this often results in the desire to control nature to achieve our own benefits. To give context to just how much the people of antiquity respected nature as a divine force, we look to Hesiod's Theogony as an example. Hesiod was a Greek poet around the 8th century BC. In his work, Hesiod gives us a genealogy of the gods. In the beginning, it is just chaos within existence. However, we see Earth, named Gaia, as one of the first things to form from chaos, just after night and darkness, through Parthenogenesis. Hesiod's revered and respected work put Earth as one of the first tangible things to come from nothingness. According to Hesiod, not only did man have respect for Earth and nature as divine, but even the other gods respected and listened to Earth as well. In fact, the greatest of all gods, Zeus, in the Theogony, is found asking Earth for advice as to how he may defeat the Titans. Earth also gives Rhea, Zeus's mother, advice as to how to save Zeus by tricking Kronos, her own grandchild. Earth is able to successfully trick the other gods and they still come to her for help. Yet, no one is able to trick her, showing Earth's identity as a superior figure in Greek literature and people's lives. This helps to explain people of the ancient world's reverence towards her as a divine force. Interestingly related to the Theogony's concept of Parthenogenesis, early Greeks believed they literally stemmed from nature. In fact, in many works of Greek literature, there are instances of autochthony, meaning that the earth served as the ovum for humans literally being born from the soil. This occurred in another Greek poet, Ovid's story of Deucalion and Pyrrha, in which the gods send a torrential flood, leaving Deucalion and Pyrrha as the only surviving humans. They asked the oracle of Themis how to repopulate earth, and the goddess said it would happen if they throw the bones of, our, of their mother over their shoulders. 
Deucalion interpreted this and stated in line 393, Our mighty mother is earth, and her bones are stones on her body. Therefore they scattered stones behind them, and they transformed into people. From the theogony and the story of Deucalion and Pyrrha, it is clear that Greeks saw earth as a god and a giver of human life that should not be challenged, and therefore recognized their responsibility to live in harmony with the natural world as best as they possibly could. Another example of people of the ancient world viewing nature as divine can be seen in the Iliad by Homer. Homer was another Greek poet of the ancient world, believed to be from Ionia from the late 8th century BC. Specifically, omens play a huge role in the communication between the gods and the mortal world. Each time an omen, which is always in the form of nature, appears, mortal characters pay close attention to interpreting its meaning because of their belief that nature is so connected to the divine as a symbol of communications from the gods. One example of the character's confidence in omens from the natural world is when Athena sends a heron to Diomedes and Odysseus in Book 10. They can't even see the heron, but just hear its cry and gives them confidence of the two lines. A direct description from the Iliad. This shows how omens are seen as divine messages in the form of nature. Therefore, people of the ancient world believed in nature's connection to divinity and regarded it with the highest respect. But Alex, were the people of the ancient world perfect in their treatment of the environment, especially in reality rather than just in literature? By no means were they perfect, Keelan. And though they generally had more respect for the natural world than many people do today, we can still see examples of the struggle between respect and exploitation in nature. That's true. In Chapter 6 of Donald Hughes' book, Environmental Problems of the Greeks and Romans, Hughes outlines a definite issue showing the tension between respect and exploitation of the environment through deforestation. A major example of this was his highlighting of some inconsistency on the part of the government when it came to the environment. They sometimes respected nature and showed this concern by establishing fines for fires on people's properties that burned forests. However, at the same time, the government allowed private exploitation of forests by providing economic incentives for people to clear land because it would grant them a title to this land. This shows a definite struggle beginning in the time of the Greeks and Romans to decide between the desire to protect or to economically exploit the environment. Another example of this tension between reverence and exploitation emerging in the ancient times is the scene of Achilles fighting the river in Book 21 of the Iliad. Achilles is the strongest Achaean warrior in the Trojan War, struggling with the reality of battle and choosing glory over a peaceful life. In a rage after his close friend Patroclus' death, Achilles kills many Trojan warriors and throws them into the river Xanthus. The river takes on a personified form, protesting against the corpses thrown in the water, and seeks the god Apollo's help. Achilles becomes even angrier when he hears this and attacks the river but the river is too strong and almost kills him until the gods interfere. This scene depicts a lack of respect for the river in nature, as Achilles tries to control the river. Yet the river strikes back and demonstrates the power and personification of nature that the Greeks and Romans associated with the gods, showing why they usually treated nature with much higher respect in ancient literature than Achilles did in this particular scene. It seems like the Greeks and Romans generally had a lot of reverence for the environment, but sometimes gave in to the temptation to exploit and control it. The scene of Achilles fighting the river in the Iliad makes me think of how people today seem to exploit nature much more heavily than people of the ancient world. Why is that, Keelan? 
Well, do you remember the stories in a book called The Control of Nature by John McPhee that we read for class? Yeah, I remember reading that a couple of years ago. What made you think of that? Well, in that book, the author gives modern examples of people trying to control nature. One story was about the people of New Orleans building levees to prevent the Mississippi River from changing direction, which is supposed to happen naturally, but they wanted to control where the water went for their own economic purposes, like building developments. This reminds me of how Achilles tried to control the river, but was unsuccessful. Unfortunately, the people of modern times generally have less respect for the environment and are also more successful at controlling nature due to today's modern technology, making it easier to exploit the environment. That's true. Dams are also a really common way that people try to control rivers flooding today, too. I've heard a lot about the Three Gorges Dam in China, for example, causing a lot of ecological harm to the river just to prevent it from naturally overflowing. So, what has changed today that we now think we can control nature? Well, considering our dependence on nature, nothing has changed from antiquity to now. No matter how in control we think we are today as humans, the daily processes of the earth guide and determine our ways of life. Just like ancient men and women, today we must deal with the changing temperatures of the seasons. Also, no matter how technologically advanced we believe we are today, Nature has a hand in our availability of resources, food, and warmth. I agree. And as technology increases in modern times, we see humans interacting less with the environment than in ancient times. Because our relationship has changed with nature, it is much harder to see it in the same light as the people of ancient times once did. However, with the preservation of state parks, organic farming, and wildlife sanctuaries, we see that humans are still making an active effort to maintain their relationship with the natural world. When trying to understand why the men and women of the ancient world cared for and respected nature so greatly, we should also try to remove ourselves from the busyness of everyday life and take the time to appreciate just how much the natural world can do for us, too. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed our podcast. See See you next time on Nature in the Classical classical world. World.